Today I'm wrapping up a teaching that we've been doing on the next level of our lives. You know, everybody, everybody, and when, you know, it's like there's not a person that's in this room that's watching today that doesn't long for more, to want to experience more of God in their lives, more anointing, more giftedness, whatever it is, we want to accomplish the mission that we've been created for. And today what I want to do is spend just a, a little bit of time and help you dig into that. Because there's a question that we need to rephrase in our own lives. Because usually when we walk into situations and we're struggling and it's a, a challenging time, we ask ourselves this, we ask God this question. It's like, God, why me? Why me, God? Come on, has anybody ever asked God that? I'm just curious. Anybody? I'm, I have. What if we would look at the world, our lives, and our callings a little differently. And instead of asking God the question of why me, shouldn't it be why not me? Why not? Because you matter. You make a difference. God didn't create you just to sit, to do nothing, to not make a, have a purpose in life. No, he created you for a purpose, and he has something amazing for you. And the truth is, one person can make a difference. So what I'll do is I want to help uncover that for you today. So if you would, for the last time, would you stand to your feet across the room as we read the Word of God together and open your Bibles into the book of James. I love the book of James. It will, it will eat your lunch several times in this short little letter. James chapter 1, and the verses that I want to share with you are verses 23, uh, 24, and 25. And here's what the Bible says. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Let's pray. Father, for the next few moments, I pray, God, that you'd begin to speak to us through your word, that as we spend this time together, that, God, the seed of your word would find root inside of our hearts, that, God, it would bring back a harvest of good in every single life. Father, I pray this, that not only would we see a harvest but God, you would convict each of our hearts in the places where we're falling short, in the places where we make excuses. God, show us, convict us so that we can be better. We need you and we need your guidance. Thank you for this word. And I pray this, God, when we leave our time together today, we will leave changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. You know, today as, as I move through the content very quickly, I, I want to make sure that I give you uh, what God's placed on my heart, even in the midst of a very busy service. Uh, I, I believe that when I read the Word, especially in that particular text, it speaks so much. Because so many times in our own lives, what we discover is we can hear things and 
just never apply them, never take action on them. You know, my wife uh, tells me, she, you know, she goes, Clay, you, you need to go get, uh, you, you need to get, I can't believe it, what do they call the ear, uh, ear hearing aids? How, see, uh, I'm telling you, that's what she has to deal with. <laughs> see, <laughs> I didn't hear it, but anyway. She said, you need to get hearing aids. I'm like going, I do not need hearing aids. She goes, you never hear what I say. I said, honey, it's not that I'm going deaf. It's like I have selective hearing. And she goes, well, why is it my voice that you don't hear? And I said, because yours is the one I hear most often. <laughs> and sometimes in life what we discover is like she'll tell me, have you done this? Can She's reminding me of good things that I need to take care of. Have you done this and have you done that? And later on in the day, she'll say, hey, did that get done? I'm going, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, what we talked about this morning. Remember I told you such and such and such and such? And I go, oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 I'll get to that. I'll get to that. The problem is, so many times in our lives, we get so distracted by everything around us. And can I tell you this? Culture can be a great distraction to all of us as believers. That we get so distracted and so pulled away from things that we forget what's been said. So I can tell you this right now, that there are some of you in this room who are already so distracted by what you're doing afterward about where, what your week's going to look like, all the challenges you have. You're so distracted that you're risking the, the exposure of the seed that God is sowing in your life to the fowls of the birds of the air. That's another scripture that we could talk about, but for sake of time, what I want you to know is that we have to really learn that we have to focus on what is God calling us to. How do we understand that? How do we walk in this next level that, that I'm talking about here? And the first thing that I'll tell you about the next level is simply this. Next level living is really about seeing a need and doing something about it. See, we live in a culture that wants to whine about stuff all the time. We just want to quiet. So we see a problem in culture. We see this issue. And we're like, well, I don't know why anybody's not doing anything about that. Why is this not happening? Where's the church on this issue? Well, let me, let me help you. You are the church. So I just want you to, us to understand, first and foremost, that this is something that we all own personally. When we see a need, we need to do something about that need. And one of the things I would say as well is this. I'm, I'm reminded of this because... Uh, I first want to say this to all of our teachers. How many teachers do we have? Public school teachers. Are there public school teachers in this service? Got one, two, three, four. Keep your hands up. Yeah. Now, everybody stop clapping for a minute. And let me tell you something. If that's all the cheering you can do for these ladies and men that are on the front lines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You put your hands down. And here's why I say this. Because I love our teachers. And I'll tell you why. One of the reasons I love our teachers is because our born-again Christian teachers that are teaching in the public school system are on the front lines of where the enemy's trying to rob us of our children. You need to be praying for them. Every single day, you should be praying for them. But the church saw a need. We begin to see students being pulled out of the schools, going into homeschool. And, I, and I'm a, a big homeschool supporter. And uh, a, a bunch of our kids in this church connected to us are, are now homeschooled. But we saw a need. 
We saw a need that said these parents are trying to take ownership of their education of their kids to give them what they need. And we're like, you know what, we need to come alongside them. We need to figure it out. And I'll never forget, we, Tawana had been talking about, you know, an academy, been talking about this homeschool network that we can come alongside parents. I'm like going, yeah, that'd be great, but we don't have space for that right now. We need a building to do all that. And once we get that building, we can do it. I spoke that and didn't even realize that I was backward in how God works. And I remember my wife coming to me, and she goes, Clay, she goes, God, I, I feel this so strongly in my heart. We have to start now. And I remember going, uh, uh, what? That's, that's a lot. And so we talked about it, and we said, so we started. So we convert nurseries. We convert spaces in the building to make sure that we're able to come alongside these parents. But here's the thing. The need's greater and greater. Now, we could have just been people that jump on a platform and jump on uh, in our place that we have influence and said, there's a problem. There's this. There's this. But the church decided not to just whine about it. Let's do something about it. Right. That's powerful. That's the way it should be, Right. To the point that we said, you know what, we can't wait any longer once again. It's like it's time to put action behind what God's called us to, to the point that we sent out and applied for all of our permits to start the new building in the, just the next couple of weeks that will be right here beside us to take care of that. Now, I only say all that to say this, is that sometimes we have to realize you've got to step in faith. Somebody asked me, did we raise all that money yet? No. <laughs> a lot of you have come through, and we've come a long way, but we still have a lot of work to do. And here's what I know. When it gets time to take care, it's going to be there to take care of. Because here's what I know. When you trust God and you step in faith and you use what God's given you, he will take care of the rest. Yes, right. So this is a, it's a great lesson for us. And on personal levels, it's easy for us to talk about as a church. What about you as a person? What has God put on your heart that you've not done? What have you learned in Scripture as you're growing, but you've not yet put into action? See, this is where the rubber meets the road for believers. And I believe it's one of the things in the Christian world that we really need to wake up to. Because a lot of us, it, it's amazing to me is our whole idea of walking in faith is saying, I'm walking in faith, I'm walking in faith. Sometimes I feel like they're just singing, I'm walking in sunshine, yeah, like I'm walking in faith. Are you really? You know, are you really? Because here's how you'd know. If you're waiting for God to do everything for you so that you can stand in faith, you're not standing in faith. Faith is when we can't see what God has wanted us to do, and we believe in that, and we move forward in it, even though we don't understand every step along the way. And that's the hard part. See, some of you, the next level we're talking about is in your marriage. Some of you have been struggling in your marriage so long, you forgot what a passionate, loving, healthy marriage looks like. And you keep waiting. Well, when they stop acting stupid, it'll be better. <laughs> Can I just tell you something? When you have a spouse that stops acting stupid, uh, the rapture will have come. Because we can't help it. Ladies, at least for us men, we can't help it. But the truth is, stop waiting for the perfect moment 
and start believing in faith and confessing it, praying over it, speaking it, declaring it over everything. And you say, oh, you're one of those word of faith people. You would be correct. Because I believe there's power in the things that we say. Now, I'm not saying we call things into existence necessarily, but I think we call on God and we come into alignment with an agreement with what his promises are for our life. And when we come into agreement with what God says, it is amazing what happens. I only say that because I've lived it out my entire life. But when I look at this, I think of Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah was such a great man of God. We read the book in the Bible, in the Old Testament. It's amazing. I'm not going to go to the scripture for sake of time. But there's this, this moment, a season that Isaiah is going through that all of us can be familiar with. Have you ever gone through a season of discouragement? Anybody in here? Anybody? Can, just look at your neighbor. They probably have if you haven't. And can I tell you this? If you've not been through a season of discouragement, you probably will. Just get ready. And you say, well, Pastor, don't speak that over me. You're just talking about speaking things. I'm just telling you life. Even Paul says, this is a battle. This is a journey. And, and it's hard. It's difficult. But what we know is when we have God, when we learn to understand how to stand, it makes a difference. To understand what faith really looks like. But, you know, I'm thinking about Isaiah. He's gone through this season of discouragement. He's gone through a place where the church the faith, their faith in God was very weak. They had pulled back and a lot of different things had infiltrated into their belief systems and, and now they were just loosely followers of God. In other words, we say followers of God in name only. In other words, they said one thing, but their life showed another. Does that sound familiar? Also to the place where there was a lot of hurt, there was a lot of challenges, and as these people drifted away from God, the religion got shallower, more shallow every step of the way. And then we find this, as always, when a nation's faith begins to uh, go away and weaken, the nation is at the verge of crumbling. And to boot all, on top of all this, Isaiah's in a place where the Bible says, and it was in that year that King Uzziah died. And all of a sudden, everything's crazy. So you say, Pastor, what does that have to do with me? I want you to see the picture of what happens because what Isaiah does is his first response is he goes to the temple to pray. He needs to hear from God. And he goes in that moment, he hears from God. And in this emotional quagmire that everybody goes through, Isaiah hears from God. And I love to think of it like this, that when he's asking God, he's, he's all these things, Isaiah's final response is send me. Why not me? And that's my question for you today. Why not you? And you say, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm not significant. I don't have these amazing skill sets. I don't have the resources to do all these great things. I want to tell you about one person, and I'm going to give you three quick key thoughts that you can walk with this week. In the Bible, in the book of Judges, there's one verse that we're looking at, and it's found in Judges uh, chapter 3, verse 31. After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. This is all it says. It moves on. I think that's, number one, that's amazing to me. That here it is, a guy that we know very little about, and it says he killed 
he struck down 600 of the enemy with an ox goad. But what's even more important to me is what happens after that sentence. It just says, casually, he too saved Israel. You say, Pastor, what does it have to do with me? Well, a lot. Because number one, it tells you that one person, no matter how insignificant you might feel or how under-resourced you might think you are, God says this, I can change a nation through you, through one person, one person. But I love this. Think about this for a minute. So let me just kind of run through so I don't lose all of our time. And I'll start with the first key thought that will help us walk through these decisions that Shamgar ultimately had to make to be this person who saved Israel. It says, don't wait until things are better. Start where you are. You know, the problem is, this is what we do, is, well, when, when everything looks better, when I've got the finances, when I've got the stuff I need, then I'll do it. When I feel better, I'll do it. When God speaks to me, then I'll do it. Can I tell you something? If you're waiting on the audible voice of God to come back and tell you again what he's already whispered into your heart, I think you ought to be a little more afraid of that because what that would tell you is now he's yelling at you because you didn't listen the first time. So what I'm telling you is when you hear that whisper of God, it's like, okay, the time might not be perfect. Everything might not be in uh, my idea of alignment, but God's saying it's time. What is he looking for? He's looking for us to stop waiting for things to be better and start right where you are. And when you think about Shamgar, just for a moment, here Shamgar is, and my dad used to preach a sermon on Shamgar, and he said, if you knew my father at all or knew of him, he, he had some funny, funny ways of presenting things. And I remember this sermon was not in my pea patch. Why did he say that? Because Shamgar stood in what God had given him. He was a farmer. He wasn't a brilliant tactician. He wasn't this guy that had spent all these years getting uh, all the training for all this stuff, not by what we can read. It tells us that he struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. Do y'all know what that is? Now, some of y'all thinking, yeah, it's kind of look, probably looks like an M16 or, or you know, or, or something, you know, a laser beam. I don't know. No, I know what this was. An ox goat is a tall stick. And on the end of that stick, it's kind of pointy and it's got a little hook on it. It's made for, uh, it's a farming implement. So this man confronted, obviously, with 600 of the enemy coming into his territory, coming into his home coming into his community, decided, I don't care what happens, whether I live or die. He had to make this choice, y'all. Whether I live or die, I will not go down without a fight. I will stand for what God has placed me here, and I'll use whatever I've got in this moment because it's important. And this man stood there and struck down the enemy. Why is that so important for all of us? Because he didn't wait for a perfect circumstance. He didn't wait for the military to come back him up. He didn't wait for everybody to do a, 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 go, a go fund me. He, did, he didn't wait for all that. No, no, no. He knew what had to be done. And guess what? The Bible doesn't even say that God spoke to Shamgar and said, go fight this battle. Shamgar knew something had to be done. 
And he wasn't going to wait for somebody else to do it. He was going to do it. And even in the midst of that impossible challenge, he now goes out in history as someone who saved his nation. My question for you, are you waiting for the perfect circumstance so that you can be a change agent for God? Are you waiting for things to be perfect in your life for that to happen? Let me give you another key thought. It's this, don't waste time waiting for a better resource. Use what you have now. I'm going to tell you, this is an important idea here. It's you to understand, too many of us waste all of our time waiting on the resources that we think we need, and God's saying, I just want you to give me what you already have. If you'll trust me with what you have now, and you say, what are you talking about? Some of you come from different paths. You know, I didn't want to be a pastor. That was never my goal in life. I grew up in a pastor's home. I saw what pastors went through, and I was like going, I do not want anything to do with that. And I'd made an agreement with God, like some of y'all. I was like, hey, God, you know what? I'll do whatever you want as long as it's this and this. But I ain't doing this. But later down in life, what I realized is the greatest joy of my life and the most meaningful things in my life have come because I followed his plan instead of mine. What happened in that? Because here's what the challenge was for me. I grew up in the shadow of a great revivalist. A legend, literally a legend in the world that he walked through. A man of faith that I can't, I, I, I look and see, and if, if you didn't know him, I wish you could have, but I'll tell you, the man was a man that stood heights above the normal person. Why? Because his faith was so big. And he was a little on the crazy side, I'll just be honest. He was really one of the pew, you know, you hear people say, oh, pew jumpers and pew runners, you know, and all that stuff. And he loved it. He did. As a kid, I'm watching my dad going, oh, God. I didn't even bring girlfriends. If I had a date or something, they weren't coming to church with me because I was like, if they saw my dad one time, I ain't never going out with them ever again. I remember one time, Dad, he was, on, he was standing on a pew. We had pews in those days. And, and he was standing on a pew, and he jumped up, and there was somebody sitting on the end over here. And I guess he, he put his head on that man's head for balance. And he's preaching. And just a minute, he kind of slipped like that. And the dude's hairpiece, his toupee, comes right off. <laughs> right there. I'm thinking, dear God. <laughs> he never missed a beat, that poor man. I'm like, you know, I just tell you, gentlemen, if you've got a hair, I ain't going to touch it. I'm just going to tell you right now, you're safe. <laughs> I'll never forget another time. We had a song leader. As back in the days, we didn't have worship pastors. or It was a song leader, and his name was Mark, super nice guy. He'd always sit on the front row, and Dad would come down. And I remember one day, I'm sitting back there in the youth side, and, and I'm coming down there, and Dad is preaching down the front, and he reached down, and he grabs uh, Mark's leg and starts shaking it while he's preaching, and his leg comes off. He had a prosthetic leg. Dad thought it was the greatest thing ever. I'm only telling you that to say, you are very fortunate you got me. Oh, no, every service was an adventure. But what I can tell you, too, is that the, the way that he did things I remember when I started trying to step into ministry because I finally received and answered the call and I spent a lot of time trying to be him because that's all I knew to do. 
The reason I tell you this is because the breakthrough in my own life was when I realized God didn't call me to be my dad. He called me to be me. Just like God called you to be you. And God has taken the things of my life, and I'm going to be honest, there's sometimes I tell you stories about my own life, and I go, you know, that ain't that funny. <laughs> it may be funny now, but it wasn't funny then. But God uses those stories to help people overcome issues and challenges in their life. You say, why is that so important? Because you've got to stop waiting for other resources. God will use what he has what you have in your hand. All you got to do is be able to give it to him. And that's a beautiful thing. And finally, let me, let me share one more key thought with you. And I think this is a very freeing one. Stop worrying about what you can't do <laughs> and do what you can do. Amen. How many times do we see through the Bible that God used seemingly insignificant people to do amazing things? I mean, think about this. Uh, David... You know, facing Goliath, all those things. He was the least likely in his family to be the man that he ended up becoming. We go through the record. We, we see the simple things in life, the things that we think are insignificant. We now look back at Samson, and Samson's going through all this. He's, he doesn't have the perfect resources at his hand, at his disposal in the moment, and he reaches down and grabs the jawbone of a donkey and defeats the enemy. What I'm trying to tell you Boy, I just had some thoughts that just ran through my mind, and I had to rebuke them right now. Because here's what I need you to know. God will use you in your, he will use what you think is stubborn and useless and rotten and dead, and God will put a fire under you, and he will anoint you, and you will do something you never thought possible that other people look at, and they're like going, you did not. And I go, oh, no, no, no. Go to YouTube. It's on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube now. No, it happened. Why? Because of faith. Yeah. I, I think about the widow woman. I think it was Elijah. It's not, anyway, as I said, Elijah, Elijah, but for sake of time, I won't dig any deeper. But it's the widow woman, when the prophet came to her and demanded, said, I'm hungry. Here she's in the middle of a famine. She just wants to, she's a, a widow. She just wanted to take care of herself and her kid. And now the prophet's asking for something, and we know the story. That God blessed her abundantly. She had so much more than she ever thought she could have, all because of that act of faith. She didn't wait on the more resources to show up. She gave God what she had. And today, that's what I would ask you. Are you giving God what you already have? Or are you waiting for more before you do anything? You see, in the American church, sometimes we get it really backwards. We're thinking, when God opens that door for me, I'm going to walk through boldly. But you know what the truth is? The truth is there's demands on our faith before we ever get to the door. And until you've responded to the demands on your faith, you'll never see the open door. Because you, if you do, you're not equipped to walk through it. So what I'm trying to tell you is that there are amazing things in store for your life. There's greater than you ever imagined that's going to require you perhaps to do what you've never done before. To stand there like Shamgar. No matter what it takes, I refuse to allow the enemy to take what God has given me. 
I'm not going to bow down and let the enemy, I don't care what culture says, I don't care what any of those people say, what I care about is what God says, and if God gave us this community, uh uh-uh, there's no devil in hell that can take it away from us unless we surrender it, right? So the question comes to this, have you been lulled into a place where you're not standing as you should? Are you waiting for somebody else to be the voice of change? Are you waiting for somebody else to do the hard things? If Shamgar had waited, we don't know what that story would have looked like. Maybe his name would have just never, ever been in that scripture. We'd never known much about him. Perhaps his entire family would have been destroyed by the enemy. But he changed not only his future, but he changed his family's future and his community. Why? Because he refused to back down from an impossible situation. So no matter what you're going through today, know this. God is more than able to give you whatever you need. But I can tell you this. Your trust and your faith will come before the resources that you long for. It takes us stepping out. It takes us believing. It takes us saying, no matter what it looks like, I refuse to give up, to shrink back, to be afraid. Because I know I was created for more. But now maybe in your story, you look at your own life and say, yeah, you might have been created for more, but not me. You don't know my history. You don't know my background. Obviously, some of you might not know mine, and today's not the day to delve into that. But what I can tell you is this, is God created you for something special. He created you to make a difference, and you can be like Shamgar. Wouldn't it be amazing that someday that people could look back at the Lord Terry's, they can look back and see this one epitaph of your life, she too saved America. He too saved the school systems. He too changed the world. But it comes down to a choice, doesn't it? Are you going to trust the way you feel? Or are you going to trust the truth that you know? That's what it comes down to. And I hope this, I hope that all of us Take on this identity of Shamgar to know I'll use whatever God's placed in my hands and I will not give up an inch. I will stand for my children. I will stand for my community. I will stand for the truth of what the Word of God says. And it doesn't matter to me how popular it is. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable it may put me or what situations it places me in because here's what I know. At the end of the day, God is my judge. And I want to stand before him one day and not be thinking, oh, Lord, I should have done this. I should have done that. And honestly, that's the question today. Why not you? Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room this morning? Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been in a place in your life where the challenge